Welcome to The Disruption Is Now. Join us on this enlightening journey as we explore how AI is impacting our jobs, careers, lives, and the human experience. Each episode, host Greg Matusky will converse with visionaries and innovators at the forefront of AI, diving into its challenges, opportunities, and impact. So buckle up as we venture into the heart of disruption, and together, let's unfold the future. Welcome to another episode of this uh, Disruption is Now. It's a podcast, all things about artificial intelligence and AI. And I'm Greg Matusky. I'm your host. I'm also the founder and CEO of Gregory FCA. And I'm here with uh, Chris Grasso. Chris is going to bring a unique perspective. He's CEO of Intersection. What I'm really interested to talk about today with Chris is I've gone through a couple AI seminars recently, and it seems like the whole marketing effort is really concentrated online, how to do more email marketing, more drip mail marketing, more social media. But Chris is the CEO of a company that's really focused on out of home with regard to smart cities, how to make our conversations smarter with uh, with uh, with uh, out of home advertising and smart cities. Chris, did I get that right? Can you correct me or tell me a little bit about Intersection? Yeah, no, I think that's right. We are the largest independent out of home uh, advertising company in the United States. We're focused on major U.S. cities. And typically, we work with uh, putting uh, consumer amenities in these cities, like in New York, the Link NYC program, where we've deployed 2,000 Wi-Fi kiosks, all supported by advertising. But we'll do bus shelters. We'll work with transit authorities to put ads on buses, but really working in these central cities and then we're very focused where we have digital signage on putting content on the screens uh, that's both engaging and informative to our uh, users. It may be things like what time my train is coming. It could be the weather. It could be local art. And then we make our money by selling data-driven advertising. So it's all out-of-home advertising. It's ads that are in city streets, in train stations, at airports uh, that consumers will see in, in their day-to-day -day lives and uh, often take uh, positive actions to help our marketers. So, so, Chris, so that's our business. You know, I'm really interested because your, your experience really dates back to the nascent of the, of the internet. You were with AOL, you were with McKinsey as, an, as, a, as a consultant in Hertz. Um, where do we stand, do you think? Where, where does AI play into the techno technological advances and and how we advance human communications? It's a great question. I started my, my career uh, in the mid 90s uh, with McKinsey as an internet analyst. I, I had studied computer science in college. And I think uh, the AI revolution is very similar to where we were with the internet revolution, where it did make dramatic changes in um, businesses. There were huge efficiencies that were gained, but it didn't overwhelmingly change the world. It just made uh, a lot of stuff easier, a ton of great new businesses were created, uh, but a lot of the fundamentals on how you live and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis don't really change, it's, but the, the, way, the way you do it uh, changed a lot. And I think, you know, you saw that with the internet uh, in the mid-90s, you saw that with the mobile phone in the late, you know, 28, 2008, 2009, 2010, I think AI is going to be similar where there'll be a whole host of new um, business models created a whole host of great businesses created, a ton of new efficiencies created. But, you know, people are still going to have to go to the supermarket to get their groceries. People are still going to go out to dinner. People are still going to want to live in cities because cities are great to live in. It's not going to change 
day-to-day life dramatically, but it may make it easier and different. And it's going to have um, outsized effects, obviously, on certain jobs and certain industries, both positive and not as positive. Well, let's really focus in here on on cities and their role in our contemporary economy and culture and what we've just gone through with the pandemic and some of the vast changes. I'm sitting, I'm coming to you from outside of Philadelphia. We have the highest vacancy rate of commercial buildings in our core than any city in America. What are you seeing? Because it's such an important part of your business. Yeah, our business is totally based on on cities. And I think what we've seen is that cities that are multi-use that cities that give people lots of reasons to come to their center cities, that cities that have strong tourism, strong restaurants, strong things to do, are actually recovering nicely. Cities that people want to live in are recovering nicely. You mentioned Philadelphia. The residential portions of Philadelphia are doing very well. So Absolutely. Right now, Square is really hopping. We have a big business down there. I'm on the Upper West Side in New York City. It's You, know, you can't you can't walk down the street sometimes it's so crowded even with people working from home they're working from their apartments they're going in two or three days a week um where you have office monocultures where you know it's just offices that's having a much tougher time um particularly you know with people going in the office two or three days a week so i think cities that have become more multi-use um that really have uh invested in quality of life and being places people want to live and people want to visit uh, are are going to do uh, going to do well and are doing well, uh, and that translates to a lot of activity in in, in many of these cities. Hey, uh, I want to I want to really probe into where you think AI is going to impact your business. I know in my in my industry, Chris, it's it's a game changer because of so much what we do. I mean, these are LLMs, and what do we yeah. do? We we deal with language uh, right. for the vast portion of our uh, time as public relations professionals. Uh, where do you think it's going to impact, particularly on the creative end and what it could open as far as opportunities? I think the big opportunity is the ability to do creative at scale, uh, at an amazing scale with a high degree of customization. So we have a uh, product that we've rolled out uh, and we're working with, with hopefully to get some partners to start using where you could customize all of your creative to all the locations where you might advertise. So to make this real, um, say you were a, a clothing retailer, you could customize outfits using generative AI that's in your creative for every city block. So in our business, we have link, these link kiosks with digital advertising on every city block, and you could have custom advertising um, on every city block. That would not have been cost, that would be cost prohibitive to try to do now, uh, now go back. Do you see this as would this be according to the culture of that neighborhood or the retailers in that neighborhood? The culture uh, of that neighborhood, the the population of that neighborhood, type of people live there, the type of vibe of that neighborhood, you know, what the outfit you might get from a retailer, you know, in Soho versus what's on the Upper East Side versus what's on the Upper West Side versus what's around Yankee Stadium. Those outfits are going to be different. The type of people who are going to be wearing them are different. And you can really you know, optimize that in a pretty cool way. And then you could do things that are more, um, you know, more, more, even more creative than that, where maybe it's, uh, you know, if it's a candy company, you know, what's the uh, show, the, 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 the can you know, what's the relevant type of candy that, that should make sense in, in that neighborhood. You can do a lot um, uh, with this in terms of mass customization that would not be cost effective to do before. 
And I think we're seeing a lot of that same thing on the PR side. For the first time, we can really come up with, for instance, five quotes from the CEO for a news release that they could pick from or or 10 different headlines that we could test to see that are better or take a, a, a single uh, subject matter expert interview and turn that into a news release, a blog post. Uh, you could turn it into a podcast with the technology. For instance, last week, I was at Voice and AI in, in Washington, D.C., and the ability to turn turn written word into voice, right? It was just a big focus of what they were presenting down there. You could do a, a podcast. You could do a PowerPoint or at least a copy from a PowerPoint. And with some of the apps, you could actually do the design of that PowerPoint. So the velocity of creative, you know, I, I read a study that 65% of us believe that we're more creative than we can possibly uh, work at, achieve, right? Why? For because- sure. We have time limitations. We have talent limitations. Go ahead. No, and this is going to be huge for out of home. You know, one of the challenges um, in out of home advertising is the ad formats are highly fragmented because uh, they're on the side of buildings, they're on the side of buses. So the sizes are different. It's not like the internet where you have IAB standard units, 300 by 250s, 300 by 600s. It's fragmented. And what AI can do, and we've started experimenting with this, is you put a piece of creative in and said, hey, fix this for the 14 different ad sizes that we have or make this work for a curve because we're going to wrap uh, a column at Penn Station or um, put a banner over, uh, rig, you know, over the train station around Wrigley Field. You can do that in a way that would take a lot of creative um, work to, to sort of optimize that. And they'll come up with ideas that or the they, the LLM, will come up with ideas that, that you know, you might not have even thought of. So I do think that's going to be a huge advantage for, for out of home on the creative side. But that fragmentation also makes out of home hard to plan for. And I do think we'll start to see use of AI to do the media plans as well for out of home that will make it easier um, and take a lot of the friction out. If you look at the out of home industry, Greg, out of home is only um, an, uh, seven, eight, nine billion dollar industry in the United States. But if you look at the share of attention and the effectiveness of the media, it should be much bigger. Why is it not bigger? It's it's not as easy to buy as say your thirty second spots or your your uh, you know internet display advertising. I think using AI both on the creative side and the buy side and, and the transaction side will sort of close that gap and make it much easier to uh, buy and sell the media, which I do think. Once you get rid of those frictions, you'll see a lot of growth in um, in out-of-home advertising in the U.S. And I think you hit three interesting points there. One is on the tedium, right? Uh, the, just the logistics of getting all these uh, ad size. I go back, I remember to the days years ago of inline advertising in newspapers and each one of them have a different width of their of their column and how yep. you'd have to prep that and the people that it would take to do that. So that was one angle. And then the creativity. I mean, there's no question it's going to unlock all kinds of creativity. Uh, and the third point is, you know, those those opportunities that haven't been monetized yet that could be monetized with a AI product that would allow people to, to monetize them. I, I don't know what that would be, but you know, who would have thought that this, the steps of our art museum in Philadelphia would someday be an advertising vehicle. They are today. Right. But yeah, all the different formats that could be out there that could enhance the experience for advertisers, consumers, uh, tourists, uh, uh, average people in a, in a smart city. 
Well, right. And, and again, this is why I go back to the, the efficiency points and why it's very similar to the Internet and in, in terms of efficiency. So when I was in college, I was on the school newspaper. It's back in the early to mid 90s. And you, you mentioned the inline advertising. We used to print out the, the ad and then we used to take a uh, razor blade, cut the <laughs> razor blade out, paste it on a board, take a picture of that board. And send a guy at 1.30 at night, and, and if you didn't hit 1.30, you wouldn't make deadline. He drove out to the, the, the printing press so that we can make 1.45, so they put it on the printing press and we printed the paper. You know, the internet happened, and what'd you do? You took a digital photo, and, said, and we used to you know, have to develop the photo in the darkroom. Within three or four years, you were taking a digital photo, you were uploading it to the screen, you were taking the screen and just emailing it or, or uploading it to the printer, and the printing just got printed and all those steps went away. And I think that that's one of the things you're going to see with, with AI, a lot of those generative steps will go away. And what will end up happening is the, the staff will be able to spend time on much higher value added things like, you know, solving the client problem or, you know, in the, in the case of the newspaper, writing the actual stories or actually thinking about the stories, reporting the stories. You know, you think about journalism, still going to need reporters to go out and like, pick the stories and get the stories, but they're not going to spend as much time drafting the writing, but they still got to go report and do the original reporting. So, so what it allows you to do is move your staff to much higher value added activities because you're getting a lot of the rote stuff out. That's what happened with the internet. That's what I think is going to end up happening with AI. And it's hard to find those friction points. We, on my side of the equation in PR, we've accepted those friction points, right? We don't even identify them anymore. We think technology in my business is a database of media which uh, we're talking about 1986, 1988. And right. still, that's the standard in a lot of our tech products that we buy. We don't, see the, we don't see the friction of being able to say, okay, my CEO's voice is X, Y, Z, right? He, you know, the surrogate for that could be uh, uh, a Wall Street Journal reporter or, or someone else. And I want to put this in the voice of my CEO so that I take the stress off him or her of having to create it from scratch. And we don't see that as a friction, so we don't go after that. We there was never a solution for that. It would just be a writer who could emulate different voices. Today, you know, with the ability of LLMs to assume different personalities, we, we all of a sudden can do that. We can be more inclusive and diverse. And never before could we say that uh, this ad is targeting a inner city black community which values X, Y, Z, right? Uh, we would have to assume that or hope that our staffs were diverse enough that they would see that. Now we have LLMs, which do a pretty good job. They still need human intervention of creating messages that are more inclusive, more diverse and more exciting to the consumer. And that, that's what I, uh, hypes me up about the whole thing. Well, well, yeah, and it does move if you think about um, what the sort of skills are, it really puts a premium on editing. Because the, the job becomes less the writing and more the editing, and the editors have to both think up the idea, do the prompt, and push and, and, and ensure the quality control of what's coming out of the LLM. So, you know, the diversity on the editorial side becomes really important so that you have the right team of, you know, different perspectives who can take a look at what's coming out and making sure that, hey, yeah, that does make sense. Because yeah. the LLMs, you know, the LLMs like a, a, a junior reporter, like th th sometimes they do really good work. Sometimes the work's a bit of a mess and you need to make sure you have editors who can tell the difference and have enough um, wherewithal and understanding of the various communities to go do that. So that's where I think it's, it's exciting where 
it allows people to spend time on the higher value activities. Well, I think you're right on Mark. I always analogize it to, I think we're moving from the age of information to intelligence, meaning for years, our information on our side were words and AP style. And if you use the right verb tense, or if you use the same word in two connecting sentences, or that was information. What we're really trying to push now and in, in socialize is how do you incorporate intelligence? What is the final message, right? Where are we taking this? Because as I've often said, I'm never going to have to teach AP style again. I can ask the computer to do it. I can even ask the computer to, to proofread, right? But I can't ask the computer to come up with that ultimate message. It's just not there yet. So that allows us to focus on the higher value task, the more intelligent task, the age of, inf- of intelligence that I think LLMs will usher in. Yeah, well, Chris, I want to I thank you for being with us. It's an enlightening conversation because I really haven't heard this perspective from the out-of-home uh, realm and world. And I think it's important because we spend so much time. I think the LLMs have been trained so well in email marketing, right? So well in social media. But in this realm, I don't, I don't think we're quite there yet. And so it's, it's good to hear your perspective. And I, I thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. Very much enjoyed it, Greg. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. This podcast is a production of Gregory FCA. If you enjoyed our discussion today and want to continue exploring the transformative power of AI, please check out more episodes and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.